Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Yes, I, I'm, when it comes to Doritos, Doritos as a form of alcoholic beverage, I confess I'm a skeptic. Uh, uh, it's not, not uh, somebody will have to gift that to me because I won't buy it. All right. But it's, life's full of mysteries and this is one of them. All right, the number is one eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five. This is the hour where we talk about the books that punched us in the face this year or tickled our back or tickled our toes. Books that made a difference in our lives this year. I recommend them, two, three of them. We love to hear from you. The number is one eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five. That's eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five. We do have a line available. Um, but let's continue with your calls right now. If you are a little shy and don't want to come on the air, then go to Facebook and Twitter, and you can register your books there. All right? one eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five. We'll go to Poland, Ohio. Nick's been very patient there. Good to have you, Nick. Uh, good to be on. How you doing? Doing great, thanks. You're listening on Bread of Life, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, out of like the Youngstown, Ohio area. Yeah, yeah. Great. That's a great apostolate. Uh, Barb, who really engineered that and has been the chief plug behind it, is an outstanding woman. So, yeah, yes, I've I've met her. She is. Um, <laughs> so the book that I have, uh, I've always been. I converted about sixteen years ago, yeah. and I've always been obsessed with the doctrine of justification. Yeah, from the you know, the, the traditional Protestant viewpoint yeah. um, compared to the Catholic viewpoint. Mm-hmm. And I usually found uh, sometimes the cookie-cutter apologetics, like, unsatisfying on both ends. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a gentleman named Eric Yabara, mm-hmm. who is a Catholic apologist. And uh, what I really like about him is he never, like, straw mans the yeah. other side. Good. He gets into the real nitty-gritty. Yep. And he wrote a book, and it's it's not that long. It's like, you know, 200 pages or so, but it's called The Just Shall Live by Faith. Mm-hmm. And it mainly tries to um, cover this uh, debate on justification from the lens of St. Paul's letter to the Romans. Uh, that's a great project. Uh, I taught through Romans when I was a pastor, and actually it was a difficult, it was difficult because my theology was changing. And I was no longer yeah. accepting the conventional uh, evangelical Protestant idea of justification by faith alone, but I didn't quite know where I was going to go. So I remember, again, going through, especially from Romans chapter uh, uh, 4 through 8, uh, having difficulty with trying to come up with good expository sermons. Now, I don't think I know, personally, I don't think I know Eric, but I he publishes with Emmaus, doesn't he? Um. I think he does. Yeah, I think uh, he does. I think he does, and he—I he, know he's—he's he's written like you, a great uh, apologetic uh, book on like the papacy and everything mm-hmm. uh, like that. That's uh, I haven't got a chance to read yet. But on this book, he really goes through the uh, doctrine of Catholic doctrine of uh, a, you know justification by faith formed by charity. Yes. Uh, yes. And which I I always felt kind of like lacking among, um, you know, that's not a term that many Catholics know about their own uh, doctrine, I guess. Yeah. That, I always found that to be helpful in the discussion. 
uh, on justification by faith. Yeah. No, I I agree. And um it in New Testament let's, let me tell you New Testament studies over the last generation has really changed. The the old conventional justification by faith alone teaching that is still maintained by some some evangelical scholars and some reformed scholars and certainly Lutheran scholars many of them still maintain justification by faith alone but New Testament studies has increasingly been undermining their argument uh, beginning with a book by um, uh, was it St. Paul and St. Paul and Judaism Second Temple Judaism uh, and then uh, N.T. Wright, the, Evangel- uh, the Anglican bishop, who's now probably the top conservative New Testament scholar in the world. With the new perspective. With the new on perspective Paul. on Paul. And I, I can remember the first time that hit me. I was reading a, a Mennonite book called The Politics of Jesus. I'd never heard of this new perspective before. And I can remember this fellow whose name was, uh, I think it was John Howard Yoder, in the book Politics of Jesus. And he made the, he made the case that um, Protestantism generally made a big mistake by reading Paul through Luther's experience, Luther's personal experience, and that St. Paul was not addressing Luther's personal anguish. St. Paul was addressing the unity of the body and how Gentiles and uh, the, the, the Jews can form that one body. That was his project. His one project wasn't trying to lift Luther's existential anguish uh, about being guilty before God. But I remember, hit, I remember that hit me, and I, uh, I was, I still remained a Protestant for many years. But uh, that got me interested in the new perspective on Paul. So yeah, I'll have to and get I Eric's think- book. What Eric does, too, is he, he touches on that a little bit. Uh, he does touch about the new perspective of Paul and mm-hmm. the idea that the works that Paul's talking about were directly just the, like, uh, you know, the Jewish... The identity markers, yeah. But uh, he does also add in there about how Paul does talk about, you know, to covet, and how... So th- he's able to make a synthesis of how you could take some of the good with a new perspective of Paul without having to take all of it. Right. I just found it out of me reading a lot on this topic over the years and listening to reformed theologians and Catholic theologians, I found it to be the best book that I've read so far on the uh on the topic. I'll I'll take I haven't read it and I'm not sure I don't think I've ever even met Eric, but I will get my hands on it and give it a read. It sounds good, Nick. It's called The Just Shall Live by Faith Resolving the Catholic yes. Protestant Debate on Justification from Paul's Epistle to the Romans. Is that it? That's it. All right. Thanks, Nick. All right. Thank you. The number is one eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five. We've got uh, Jeremy in Atlanta, Georgia, listening on 1160 The Quest. Good to have you, Jeremy. Hi, Jeremy. You with us? Uh, yes, this is Jeremy. From, okay. I'm from Atlanta. Yeah, you're on the air. Oh, fantastic. Um, the book I want to share with you is uh, George Beagle's uh, biography of John Paul II, uh, Witness to Hope. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was uh, confirmed as a Catholic uh, a year ago, over a year ago on All Saints Day. And reading the Pope and the Presidents, I can't remember the author's yeah, name. That, that's Paul Kengor's that, book, yeah. 
yes, I read that before becoming Catholic, before I was even considering it, and God used it to do like the heart work that uh, <laughs> needed for me to become a Catholic as a Presbyterian evangelical, yeah. because it really increased my esteem for the papacy, both the office and the power of the office and the holiness of, of the man himself. Yes. In John Paul II, and um, that opened the, the doors to me becoming Catholic soon, soon thereafter. So he was my confirmation saint, and I picked up this book, uh, this book this summer, started uh, reading it. Uh, it's 900 pages. I'm almost done. <laughs> yeah, it's a um, good read. It, it, and it's influential in, in so many ways that I can't all go into, but the way that I wanted to share with you is actually in a surprising way. So a month after uh, getting the book, I surprisingly and unexpectedly um, found a teaching job at a, a Jewish high school. Yeah. In Atlanta, and this came about, and I'm actually going to follow up with you with an email about this because I exposed a uh, online cheating scandal in my public school system that's now getting a lot of attention in the news. So you're behind that news story we heard earlier today. Um, yes, a th- uh, I suppose a 13-year-old. Yeah, Fox News. It was a 13-year-old kid. No, this is a uh, this is a different story. This is a sc- school system uh, allowing students to take online tests unsupervised at home. Oh, they okay. Can cheat on the test. All right, that might be a different story. So yes, you may okay. hear of it. It just came out this week. Um, anyways, I'll send you a follow up about that. But please, that's what led me to the Jewish school after I resigned my job at the public school. And so I'm teaching at this Jewish school while working my way through this book, not really knowing. Um, the significance of his pontificate to Catholic-Jewish relations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and so it made his being my confirmation saint significant in a new way um, because I've, I'm feeling myself encouraged, strengthened, guided, uh, you might say, in relating to my Jewish brethren with just a lot of wisdom and compassion and understanding. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I feel myself embodying that spirit, um, in embodying the kind of dialogue that he tried to advance with the Jewish people. I have great relationships with the rabbis. You know, they, they teach there. They love talking to me. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like I'm just sort of channeling the spirit of what he was trying to establish between Catholics and Jews. Um in my job, and that was an unexpected uh, benefit of the book. That's beautiful, and you're right. He he had uh, a good relationship with uh, Jewish friends from his childhood, and uh, and that continued. It made a big impact on his uh, episcopacy, and then it had an impact on his papacy. And uh, John Paul II, I I respected John Paul II when I returned to the Catholic Church, but it's only after I'd been in uh, the faith for about five years, that it dawned on me what an absolute giant he was. To me, he's the biggest, he's my biggest hero of the 20th century. So um, I just think he's brilliant, he's devout, he's courageous, and uh, George's book, Witness to Hope, and the follow-up volume, too, uh, is really to be highly recommended. So, Jeremy, thanks. We'll make sure that gets on the list. 
one 573 7825 Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. It's our, oh, Christmas season book recommendation time. It's a good time to do it because of Christmas gift-giving books. Uh, Listeners to Cresta in the afternoon, I know, are the kind of people who recommend books to others. And so I'm asking you to share today books that affected you this last year. Uh, You know, you can mention one, two, three of them, four of them. Again, the only thing I'm asking, they don't have to be published this last year. They just have to have impacted you uh, this last year. And uh, earlier we were hearing uh, George Weigel's book, uh, Witness to Hope. That was so important. Uh, George Weigel, by the way, just put out his Christmas list, and he mentioned a few books that uh, we've talked about on this program before. One of them was Tom Holland's book, Dominion, How the Christian Revolution Remade the World. That's a book written by Tom Holland, who I don't know where he's at spiritually now, but when he wrote the book, uh, he had not laid claim to Christian faith. He was respectful. Uh, And I don't know if over the uh, two, three years since he published that book, if he's moved in the direction of the Christian faith. But uh, George mentioned him uh, as an important book for him last year. And also a a newer book by uh, uh, Dr. Matthew Levering uh, called The Theology of Robert Barron, uh, published by Word on Fire Academic. And uh, again, that's uh, an attempt to get at the broader, more comprehensive understanding of what uh, Bishop Barron is doing uh, theologically. He also mentions uh, a book called Colonialism, A Moral Reckoning, uh, by uh, Nigel Bigger, uh, Oxford prof. And this is a book that's really been controversial. Uh, Bigger is trying to say, look, uh, colonialism had its problems, but our history here ought not to forget the benefits that were also available uh, during colonialism. And I think somebody was saying that history is not being taught today. Well, that's only partially true. There is history being taught, but much of history is an attempt to paint the United States and the Western world as leaders in racism, imperialism, and oppression of the poor. And so uh, I guess that got under Nigel Bigger's skin, and he decided to come up with a, you might say, apologetics for colonialism. Uh, I'm, I'm painting with a broad brush here. But it's a, an important book, getting a lot of reviews. Let me get back to you, though, uh, and your recommendations. The number is one eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five. And Tim in Fort Worth, Texas. Thanks, Tim, for being so patient. Uh, thank you, Al. Um, so I, in, uh, in my circles of friends and, and others, the, the topic of the rapture comes up a lot, even in Catholic circles. Mm-hmm. No, that's not a Catholic teaching. Right, right. So I looked for a book that kind of helped me with that, and there was two that I read this year. One, and both of them by David Curry. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one was Rapture, uh, the end times error that leaves behind the Bible, and then the second one was uh, what Jesus really said about the end of the world. Yeah, well, both of those, I, I think, it drove a pretty deep understanding or for me—a deeper understanding of what the that's really in the Bible as far as uh, prophecies. David does a very good job in both of those books, 
and uh, they're, they're well worth recommending. They address a vexing issue uh, that divides uh, Catholics and evangelical Protestants of a certain sort. Um, so yes, uh, Dave Curry's book, Rapture, uh, The End Times, and What Jesus Really Said About the End of the World, uh, both of them outstanding books. Tim, thanks. Uh, good to hear from Thank you. Thank you. Our number again is one eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five. You know, it's been a little mail heavy. I just realized that. We've had relatively few women participating in today's program. So let me just uh, say that and make the invitation explicit. Uh, yes, there are a lot of male voices here, but female voices are welcome. Um, and given the fact that we've had so few of them, we'll even give you pride of place <laughs> and get you up closer to the, the top of the list. The number is one 877 573 1-877-573-7825. And I've got uh, Larry with me. In Washington, uh, listening on uh, Satellite 130. Good to have you, Larry. Hello. Yeah, you're up. Okay. Yeah, the the book that, well, it's four books, actually. It's the uh, Socrates' Children by Peter Creep. Yes, I've four got that. Seven. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Wow. History yeah, of philosophy. Yeah, amazing. I had, yeah. I had never, never uh, studied philosophy at all, I was all into uh, engineering type yeah. stuff in my career, and uh, I wish I had taken philosophy. It's really uh, helpful. Helped sure. Me in my uh, discussions with some of my friends who are uh, progressives and even a couple of atheists. So. Well, good, good. And that, again, Peter Kraft uh, does an outstanding job. It's his uh, history of philosophy. Uh, it's called Socrates' Children, and it is a four four volume, four or five volumes. Is it yeah. four or five? Four volumes. Four. Four. Very good. Okay. So you get again, you get a, a good, well written, uh, easy to understand history of philosophy with that series. Larry, thank you. Good talking with you. Yeah. Thank you. Again, I said we need to hear from some women callers, and we've got Stephanie in Traverse City listening on Sirius XM. You're up, Stephanie. Oh, hi. 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 This is Stephanie. Yeah. I'm from Traverse City, uh, Michigan. Yes. And the book that I want to share is The Spirit of the Liturgy um, yes. by Ratzinger. Yes. Um, I read it for a class, and it just really impacted me in a couple of ways. Uh, one, is just gave me a better insight to him as a person. You know, I feel like, you know, gosh, he's the Pope and uh, leader and all of that. But I got a sense of his heart from the yeah, book and yeah. his thinking. Um, so that was one thing I really liked about it. And then the other thing is that it really uh, just gave me insight into the spirit of the liturgy. Yes. Not the right, per se, but like what I bring to it, yes. what I can bring to it, and what it brings to me. So it really, it really changed the way I approach Mass. And and when I go to Mass, I, I think about the things from that book and and just that, what I can bring and what I can get, what what, what God wants to give me. So, um, yeah, it really uh, had an influence on me. Ah, that's good to hear. It is an outstanding book. It's one of the few books that he wrote as a book. Many of the 
books that we see with his name on it are collections of uh, essays or homilies that he's given. But Spirit of the Liturgy yeah. was an actual book that he set out to re- to write because that was a topic so close to his heart. And um, he also liked the, a, a shorter book called Spirit of the Liturgy by the older, right, the yeah, Romano Guardini. Yeah, yeah. yeah Romano Guardini. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I have not read that one, but it mentioned it. I think in the the intro or something. But um, but yeah, I just thought the spirit of the liturgy was um, it's so approachable. You know, um, it's even though you know Ratzinger is very academic and all of that. It was I feel like anybody could read it and enjoy it and get something out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very good book. Uh, thank you, Stephanie. Excellent. Sure. Thank you. Thanks for taking my call. Bye now. The number is one eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five. That's one eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five. Let's go to Arthur in Washington State, who's been patiently waiting for us. You're up, Arthur. Hi, Al. How are you doing? Doing very well, thank you. Okay. First of all, I just want to say, um, not this last year, but every book. Uh, that Grant Petre has written has just been incredible. <laughs> yes. What I wanted to, what I wanted to mention uh, is, and I think you interviewed him, Father James Maudsley, and uh, he's written this old new series, five books, and I've re- read the first two, uh, Adam's Deep Sleep and uh, Crushing Satan's Head, and they're just just amazing to show how the Old Testament prefigures so much. Uh, so much prefiguration in the Old Testament of what's happening in the New Testament and, and uh, you know, with Jesus and with Mary. Yes. Amazing. Well, he he, like Petrie, is very interested in establishing the continuities between the covenants. And um, so right. this, is, this is a project which I think is really blessed by God. Uh, Father James Maudsley, um, and again, the uh, particular books that you're referring to are Adam's Deep Sleep and Crushing Satan's Head. Is that right? Right. And then there were three more in the series after that. Yeah, If You Believed Moses, I think, was one of them. Um, and two volumes of that. Yes. So this is a rich presentation uh, of the continuity between the covenants and um, connecting the old and the new and strengthening the bond there, which, of course, is part of Brent Petrie's project, too. So, right, yeah, right. Great recommendation, Arthur. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go to Nebraska. Marianne's there and um, listening on Spirit Radio. Marianne, you're up. Oh, hi. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I uh, saw the on the internet this book, "Devil in the City of Angels" by Jesse Romero. Yeah, it's a story where he witnessed an exorcist and how they prayed for three hours with two priests, and nothing was happening, and then they started praying in Latin, the Hail Marys, and that did it. Wow. <laughs> but it's a story about that. You know, I, I really, I always wanted to get the book. I just saw an interview on online about that, but it sounded very interesting. Yeah, this is Jesse's story. I mean, it's a powerful one. And, um, yeah, yeah. So, no, I, I get it. Uh, it's called Devil in the City of Angels. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and Jesse, uh, also police officer, I believe, at the time. Um, yes, yes, so, in Los Angeles, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, very yeah, good. 
All righty. Thank you. Thank you, Marianne. And we'll continue conversation. Uh, let's see here. We've got Melissa in Augusta, Georgia, uh, listening on 91.1 St. Paul Radio. You're up, Melissa. Hi. Hi. I, I, I guess it's a book. It's a monthly subscription from um, Word on Fire, Liturgy of the Hours. Oh, yes. I'd heard, I'd heard about, but, you know, never, ever read. And I can't say that every day I get to it, but it, it's been very interesting um, you know, and then I'll look up the saints if it involves a saint. But, you know, the Psalms are just, they're beautiful. Yes. They're beautiful. Uh, this is so important. The Church has been asking for the lady to pick up the Liturgy of the Hours as best they can and try to incorporate it into their life, especially morning and evening prayer. But uh, what you're doing is actually what the Church has been asking us to do for a long time. So, Congratulations. <laughs> it's a great recommendation. And uh, this is the one that's uh, published by Word on Fire. Is that right? Correct. And, Al, I love you. <laughs> well, listen, thank you. I love you, too. I'm Al Cresta. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta having some great uh, recommendations. Your recommendations to Crescent in the Afternoon listeners. The book that impacted you the most last year. It can be two or three books. And again, we're, we, we assume already the scriptures and the catechism. Um, but these other books that were important to you, so important. In fact, you want to share that with Crescent in the Afternoon listeners. We've had a great list. We'll have it posted, of course, in the Krista Guest Archives at AveMariaRadio.net. And, um, well, let's just continue with your calls while we've got time. Uh, we're going to be joined by Sharon right now in Raleigh, North Carolina, listening on Sirius XM. You're up, Sharon. Hi, how are you? Doing well, thanks. Thank you for uh, taking my call. Uh, I was listening to your earlier caller yeah. speak about Witness to Hope. Yeah, And um, I was inspired to read that very long book by first reading Crossing the Threshold of Hope. By Pope John Paul is, II. Um, and it's a somewhat shorter sort of version of that. Yes. Uh, I think of it as a somewhat shorter version, actually a lot shorter version of that book. But um, I'm also a, a very big fan of George Weigel's work. It's very scholarly. It's very approachable. And um, I've read... Uh, the Cube in the Cathedral, which is a really interesting on book. For, on scary. foreign policy, yes. Yep, European, yes. yep. And, um, yeah, and uh, God's Choice. Oh, yeah, that uh, was uh, on really... Benedict XVI. Yes, but it, there's a lot on, on uh, St. Pope, Pope uh, John, Pope Paul, the, John Paul II okay. in it okay. as well, because he leads them, he leads from one to the other, and it's it makes so much sense. Yeah. It's just really... Very, very, uh, very enlightening. I hadn't read that one, but um, I I have read a lot of George's books, and I agree with I agree with you. I I've known George since the first Iraq War, believe it or not, and um, and I've I followed his work. So uh, you know, it's, it's when you get to know uh, a writer and a speaker over that many years, it's like having a friend. You just call up and say, "Hey, what are you thinking about this?" Uh. But um, Crossing the Threshold of Hope, a, a wonderful collection of uh, John Paul II's uh, thoughts. Uh, then, right. uh, then the Witness to Hope, 
uh, is followed, of course, he, 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 he ends up taking it to the next level uh, and, follow, and ends up, uh, you might say, with the rest of the story after John Paul right. II's, uh, he finishes it after I think John Paul II dies. But I'm trying to recall the second volume now, but it's not coming to my head. Um, his, his book, Sanctifi- uh, To Sanctify the World, about the Second Vatican Council, one of my most important books this year, and his book, The Irony of Catholic History, Modern Catholic History, another one that's on my list for this year. So George has two on my list. So you and I have similar appreciation for him. <laughs> I have to read those two. I haven't read them, yeah. and I would love to. Yeah, yeah. I think they're, they, they do orient you to what's been going on in the Catholic Church for the last 150 years, uh, the place of the Second Vatican Council in that larger story. So, yeah, uh, yeah, get a hold of him. Give him, a, give him a listen. Yeah, I think his second book was called Lessons in Hope. No, this is the third book. The third book was called Lessons in Hope, My Unexpected Life with St. John Paul II. But there's a, there's a book before between Witness to Hope and Lessons in Hope. It's called The End and the Beginning. That's it. Pope John Paul oh, II, yeah. The Victory of Freedom, The yeah. Last Years. Yeah. That's that's the one. Yeah. It's it's yeah. it's an edu- it's an education in and of itself <laughs> to read those. So, yeah. thanks I so much. It. It's, it's great church history. It Thank is. you. Yeah, Sharon, great talking with you. The number is one eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five. One eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five. We'll go to Spirit Catholic Radio in Iowa. Jan's been there. Good to have you, Jan. Thanks. Al, you said that your wife would buy you books uh, about, like, leadership books right. for Christmas every year. That's and, true. Um, I heard you talking about that, and I, I just wanted to share with you a book from a, a very new author, a wonderful Catholic businessman in Omaha, and his name is Brett Pullman, and it's called Leaders Look Within. Wow. And it's just a real quick, easy read, and um, it's just a, a good book. Uh, it's not necessarily a, a huge Catholic book, but he's a wonderful yeah. Catholic leader in the area, and well, so when as soon as you said that, that came to mind. Well, hopefully, Sally, my wife, is listening, and Sal, that's a good one for this year because I don't have it. This is this always becomes a problem. She wonders what I have and what I don't have already. But this one I don't okay. have. Look within by Brent Coleman. Leaders look within. Yep, and and then also I have read this. This is a long time ago, but it just. It's still the book touches me every single time I go to Mass. I remember this book, and it's called Something New with St. Therese, oh. her Eucharistic miracle, and it just brings you um, closer to the Eucharistic heart of Jesus. Susie Andrus, I don't know if you've ever interviewed her. She's written a few books. The, the, the name's familiar, but I, I don't think so, at least... I'm. I don't. I'm looking at the title. Something new with Saint Therese, her Eucharistic miracle, and I'm virtually certain we've not done that book. Um, and I'm not sure why, because it looks like a natural for us. So I will get my hands on it, and we'll have her on if she's doing interviews. It looks like a great book. She also writes Catholic novels as well. Oh. This author does. This is Susie Andres. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, that's new, new to me, so I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'd love to meet new, new writers. Um, so very good. Thank you so much, Jen. You're welcome. Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah, Merry Christmas to you, and hopefully you solved the problem for my wife, Sally, 
in terms there of we what go. You get me for Christmas. All right. The number is one eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five. Pam in Olympia, Washington, listening on Sacred Heart Radio. Good to have you, Pam. Hello. Hi, Pam. You're up. Um, so, thank you. The book that came to mind as soon as you said that was From the White House to the White Cross by Peggy Stanton. Yes. As soon as, as, soon as I heard your interview with her, I had to go get the book. Yeah. And I so thoroughly enjoyed it because, <laughs> you know, it's a mixture. There's humor in there. Yep. But then there's parts where that I read and I just started weeping. Yep. Because they so touched my heart. I'm so glad that you've read it. I, I This was on my list last year. Um, and Peggy is a close friend, and we've worked together at Ave Maria Radio. She's done a number of programs for us, and we weekly get together for her uh, reflections on the upcoming gospel readings. Uh, but this, this memoir of hers, From the White House to the White Cross, really deserves more attention than it's been given. It's an outstanding book. And I'm so glad you called in with the recommendation. Uh, it's definitely worthwhile. Yes, and have. and it has it has all these interesting um, vignettes and memories of major public figures along the way. Who you know, Peggy in her work with uh, ABC News, and then her husband, uh, who was in, she was a congressional wife, so she had all kinds of responsibilities yes. to meet. And she's a she's a, a committed Catholic through all this. Sometimes warmer, sometimes not so warm. But she's you always involved. If she's being a, trying to seeking to be a faithful Catholic, and so you get these wonderful insights into public figures that you've never thought about before. So I think I think it's a book that really deserves uh, people's attention. I thank you. I have to agree with you there. So <laughs> I've been suggesting it to the people that I know. Very good. Thanks, Pam. Anyway, she's she's delightful, and I always appreciate when you have her on. Yeah, that's good to know, and she'll enjoy hearing that too. All right, the number is one eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five one eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five to Moscow, Idaho. We go. Muriel's listening there on Sacred Heart Radio. You're up, Muriel. Hi. Hi. The um, the book that I enjoyed so much unexpectedly recently was called Out of Darkness by Anne Rice. She <laughs> yeah. is the, um, you know, the vampire, the vampire writer. I've yes, never read exactly. any of that. Yes, exactly, yes. But um, she grew up in New Orleans in the neighborhood that I grew up in. We had the same nuns, the same parish. So I figured I- I'll read her story. And I was um, amazed. She She speaks glowingly of her early, you know, just being ensconced in in a really lovely Christian family and loving God. Anyway, when she went to a secular college, she began to lose her faith for, (laughs) of all things, she met so many nice people who were not Catholic, who were not believers, who were agnostics. Yeah. (laughs) And um, I've never heard, you know, it expressed quite that way. Anyway, um, and she, she turned her back on the Catholic faith, and years later, she was longing to go and receive the Holy Eucharist. Yeah. And she had questions about this and that, that she disagreed with the Church. And one day she said, who am I to disagree with the Church? It has the Holy Eucharist. I'm going back. <laughs> and, um, yeah, good. A, a beautif- it's a beautifully written 
book. I, I have heard that she later recanted her her faith, yeah. but I, I don't know about that. I just know this is a lovely and genuine, beautifully written book. I, inter- I interviewed I her years ago on the book okay. when it came out. Um, oh, yes? Yeah, yeah, and it's quite a while ago now. But uh, it was wonderfully written. It was a heartfelt story. Yeah. And she, the last I knew on this uh, is that she... Uh, she, she and this, this was public information, so I'm not speaking out of school here. Uh, she, she, she has a son who was uh, dealing with homosexuality, right. and yeah. I guess as she was trying to come to grips with what it means to love him in the midst of all this, and what does she do with mm-hmm. church teaching? She was had mm-hmm. a apparently had a blog, and there was a lot of conversation. And by her, by her telling of the story. She was attacked time and again by Catholics who wanted her to do behave in a certain way towards her son that she felt right. didn't fit. And I can't tell you, I, you know, I didn't follow that. I just know that it happened. And that's the last I, I knew about it. And I heard that uh, she, later I heard that she had uh, kind of rejected. I don't know if she's rejected the faith in its entirety or has just made adjustments to it, you know, to satisfy her, her relationship. Right. It, it was something difficult happened, but we'll yeah. trust her to God's mercy. Amen. And realize that I, now, I'm with you on die. that. Right. Oh, right. have a Merry Christmas. Yeah. And you too, Muriel. Thanks. Okay. The, the Thank number you. is one eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five. That's one eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five. We'll go to Omaha again on KVSS. We've got Tom there. You're up, Tom. Well, hi. Thank you for taking my call. I am in the process of reading, I've almost finished it, uh, by John Grabowski, and it's entitled Unraveling Gender, The Battle Over Sexual Difference. And uh, it's a d- deep but very readable, and it's an excellent book. And it's void of any kind of bias or anything yeah. like that. He just gets right down to the heart of the matter. Yes, I know, John. And, uh, it's one of the best books I've read this year. I'm, I was a professional-level librarian for about 38 years and ordered many of the books in social science, religion, philosophy, and all the rest yeah. of history and all that for the Omaha Public Library. Believe me, I know a good book when I've read it. Yeah. <laughs> and this this is one, and it's not a particularly thick book, but it's really full of good stuff and well worth reading. I recommend it for everybody. I, I'm with you. John is an outstanding theologian and writer, and uh, this is, again, one of his uh, masterpieces. Thanks, Tom. I'm glad for the recommendation. I'm Al Cresta. We're... Uh, going to have to take a break right here and i'm not sure how much time we're going to have on the other side of this break if we have time i'll continue to take calls but i may be out of time we'll find out 